For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. No ball. No ball. Right. <laughs> that's, there's, there's one of them every part of them, isn't it? That's, that's my South London siren. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rainstop Play. This week we'll be reviewing the second test between India and England, which has just finished today. Um, the moods are a lot different this week to they were last week. So I'll start with Will. How are you? You've been playing some cricket this week as well, not only watching India win. I have. I've been out play, playing some alleyway cricket in the snow since the last podcast, which has been a lovely experience. Wrapped up warm, got my little hat on, um, accidentally threw in some, some bouncers on a pitch, which actually resemblance Chennai quite a lot um, <laughs> and, and we've got some some nice India win to talk about in the cricket so I'm buzzing yeah we'll, we'll, we'll have a bit of pitch discourse in this podcast if you are pitch averse I'll tell you when to fast forward through because we'll try and keep it brief uh Glenn how are you yeah I'm all right thank you I saw a piece in the Guardian Dan that said I think it was published today saying the boys are obsessed lockdown has not stopped budding young cricketers and there's a photo of a kid in a net and it made me think of Will <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I mean, anyway, you can play cricket. You quite eloquently described that alleyway, Will, as having a nice little <laughs> leg slip and a, a slip cord in as well. It sounds like the perfect setup. It is. The sort of fire escape bends around in, in a lovely way that gives you several fielding positions. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> brilliant architecture. Uh, and Zach, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. A bit more, you know, a bit, bit less upbeat than last <laughs> week. But I want to hear more about this alleyway cricket. I, I'd love to play some alleyway cricket right now. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> is there some space for four people in the alleyway, Will? Oh, absolutely. Not, oh, not, with, not, with, not with social distancing, I'm afraid. Oh, but... of course. No, of course. I'm talk- we're talking post-pandemic alleyway cricket. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're all invited to the fire escape after the pandemic. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah, a little bit more subdued from the, the England fans on Rainstop Play today. Uh, let's start with some news before we get stuck into that, though. Plenty going on in the cricketing world. Uh, the West Indies had a fantastic week. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, uh, beating Bangladesh again in Bangladesh to win the series 2-0. Uh, 
um, won by just 17 runs in the end. Uh, Raheem Cornwall, big Raheem, um, player of the match, taking plenty of wickets, few runs as well. Did you all see the picture of two players clambering on top of him? And he was still sort of taller than than, than everybody. Uh, he was fantastic and a, an unbelievable win for West Indies. Um, the series win this time as well. We spoke about the test win last week. So well done to them with a fairly depleted squad. Um, Zach Mohammed Rizwan's had an awesome week and he's joined your exclusive club, your favourite club. Uh, talk us through that. What did he do this week? Yeah, so Rizwan joined the exclusive club of players who have uh, test centuries, sorry, not just test centuries, centuries across all three formats. He is the 18th player, I believe, to join that club. I did a little, I did a quiz for Glenn and Dan on a podcast probably back in yes. late August, early September. And yeah. ever since then, I've been focusing on who I think is the next player to join this list. And early on, Rizwan was a was a potential because he plays he plays all three formats. It's not that regular to have a player that plays all three formats that bats high enough in T20 to do it because he actually hasn't got... He didn't have the best T20 record. And that, it doesn't even make it into his PSL team. But this week he hit... Well, first of all, he hit his first test century, which is something we've been waiting for for a long time. And it, it looked like it was going to happen because he's been in you know amazing test form. And then he hit 104 not out in a beautiful innings where... Pakistan only mustered 170, and of them, he hit 104, hitting a crazy amount of sixes, and it was brilliant to see. And he was buzzing, and I'm so happy for him because it's, it's I can claim that I called this as well. So I'm, you know, I'm proud. Well, that's it. Like you, you called this in whenever it was um, back end of summer last year, and he had the one century in ODIs, and I was, I was thinking that's probably the least likely the minute. And then he goes and bangs two in a week. So he's obviously been listening. So. Uh, thank you, Mohammed, and congratulations. Uh, Pakistan won that series 2-1, incidentally. Um, I watched a fair bit of it, and thinking about the World Cup ahead, neither of these teams looked, looked great. I'd say Pakistan did, obviously edged it. Um, South Africa really don't look that good. Um, they sort of bottled a few winning positions, um, and their batting doesn't look that deep. So one to look out for there. Um, that'll end South Africa's tour of Pakistan. They've had a couple of test matches as well. Um, some news in the IPL. Now we have the auction coming up on Thursday this week, which I'm super excited for. Um, and Kings 11 Punjab have changed their name. Um, they, they're my team. Are they your team as well, Glenn? I can't remember. Or are you Rajasthan? I have converted to Rajasthan, who probably. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, so you and Will are Rajasthan. Fine. Anyway, Kings 11 are now called Punjab Kings. They've, they've ditched the 11. Kings 11 are my dad's team, if that helps anyone. <laughs> That's great. Well, me and your dad can, can discuss whether this team name changes right. It probably is. I don't know why they put 11 in the middle of it um, back in, you know, whenever the IPL started. Uh, but Punjab Kings, not too big a rebrand, but hopefully enough of a rebrand so they start playing well. And we'll see um, who they pick up uh, on Thursday in that exciting IPL auction. Uh, before we get stuck into this pod, just a quick shout out. Um, congratulations to the winner of our competition, Jason May. He's won a a lovely 2005 England ODI kit. It's a, a thing of beauty. That's for my mates uh, at Cricket Shirts. Go and check those guys out as well. So that'll be on your way. We'll have another giveaway coming up soon. And uh, India fans, keep an eye out for that. Very exciting toward the end of the toward the end of the series. Um, so that'll about wrap up the news. Let's get stuck into this Test match, then, boys. Um, India winning by just the just the 317 runs. Um, you know, I'm going to try and. Spin this lightly for England. Um, their biggest loss on runs against India ever. Um, and a pretty embarrassing defeat. And I, I was worried India were going to come out the blocks like this. And they did. And they were fantastic. And we're going to start with them because of how good they were. Um, Will, I want to come to you first. And 
for you, was it Rohit Sharma's 161 in the first innings or Ashwin's Pfeiffer and subsequent time that were the most important performance here um, in India winning this game? I think Ashwin is the one which has become sort of emblematic of the match as a whole because of the spin and because he's a Chennai boy. So the crowd really got going for him. And there was a brilliant stat which the commentators kept talking about during the game, which I'm gutted he didn't get to, that he would have been, I think, only the fourth player ever to take 10 wickets and score a century in a match, which would have been beautiful on his home turf. Um, unfortunately, he just missed out there, two wickets short. Um, but with all of that being said, I think if you're actually looking at how the match progressed, it was it was Rohit Sharma's big century that made the difference. Because it was really from the first day you knew India were in a very, very good position to win the game. It was actually, if you take Sharma out of it, a little bit like England's first innings in the last match, when you if you took Root out, if you take Sharma out of it, it's not a brilliant Indian batting performance. It was a sort of par or just below par score. He was the one player who got to grips with the pitch immediately, didn't really have any issues with it, got on the front foot and attacked, and that really set the game up for, for an India win quite comfortably. Yeah, also it kind of showed... At that point, when Rahane and Rohit were together, they both looked, it, the pitch looked easier. It kind of looked like, oh, it's not the pitch that we think it was. But then it showed as soon as um, Rohit got out, it showed that it wasn't that easy. And, you know, wickets started crumbling, went from 248 for four to 329 all out. And it kind of showed even more that his, that innings was so good, the Rohits. And, it, you know, and, the, and the, he set the tone brilliantly. It was, the pace of it was amazing as well. 161 from 231 balls is brilliant and you know we talked before about someone retiring some of England's spinners and he, he probably came closest so far we'll see we'll see how that progresses over the next couple of tests that's that's what confused me about this game though because I got up on Saturday morning probably I think they were you know a couple hundred for three and I was like oh here we go sort of similar sort of play and pace to what happened in the first test and then all of a sudden when him and Rahane got out I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's a minefield. They've already got too many runs. Uh, the game's over. That's what shocked me so much about this knock. And I think, like you said, Zach, the pace, I think he was on like 80 off 80 at lunch and just took the game away from England. I think Root, Root admitted it today that um, that was it. That was pretty much the game gone. England were well behind it. Um, Rahane as well with a good knock. Should we, should we speak about the, it's kind of been forgotten, the weird moments of DRS during this India first innings? I mean... For me, I don't know if you agree, Glenn, I don't know if you saw this live or not, but when, when Rahane's DRS was, was maintained not out, despite the fact he gloved it, and they just decided not to carry on and look at it, he get, he deliberately swept that ball that was too full just because he felt bad. That's the kind of bloke Rahane is. Um, but it was a chaotic couple of days for the third umpire anyway um, that's kind of been pushed to one side with all that's happened. But what did you make of that? Yeah, it was, it was strange because I think we're all kind of used to DRS to a certain extent not being that controversial right we usually get a result from it that both teams are usually like well it goes our way sometimes goes goes the other way the other time because obviously we have umpires cool which I still personally do like but you had that Rahani incident you had another incident I think it was in England's second innings when Root was plum LBW <laughs> um, I think it was and and no one could understand why it wasn't given out because uh, so... he was struck outside the line. He was struck outside the line. Just, just because his pad was in line doesn't mean it struck him in line. Well, there you go. So, because I didn't see that one live either, I just I did see a lot of um, a lot of chat on Twitter about it, and obviously we saw Coley uh, doing his usual 
frustrated glance towards the uh, towards mm-hmm. the umpire. Although I did, although my favorite DRS moment is is Coley attempting to review being bold. That was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree that was a success. For so much good stuff has happened this Test match. I've forgotten yeah. about that. It gets clean bold through the gate, and the, the gifts came out of that. I don't, I don't, I don't have access to it yet. I'm going to find it with GIF where he's sort of looking around, and the England players That's are running good. past him to celebrate. It's fantastic. There was also the 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 row it's stumping in which it wasn't quite investigated enough. And it was it was out, right? Zach, did you think that one was out, the stumping one? Yeah, well, me and you spoke about it at the time. I mean, there wasn't conclusive evidence either way, but it was kind of it really annoys me when they're like, Oh, can can we see the angle from the other side? And it's just they just don't have it. Why? Why? With all the cameras around the ground, just do they just not sometimes have it? Because it's happened it's happened a couple of times. It happened a couple of times in the IPL as well. I'm not saying it's just an India thing. It's the, the only example I can think of. I'm sure it's a thing around the world as well. But why don't they just have the other side? Surely when you're setting up the DRS, you think, right, we need the side on from mm. both sides. We need a good front on camera. And, you know, and then they've got the extra angles for on the boundary catches and stuff. I mean, I know it's more of a T20 thing, but how can you just not have the opposing angle? And also... I know. I, I mean, the, the benefit of that kind of goes with the batsman, I suppose, and they don't do they don't do soft signals for these runouts, like they do a thing, which I, I'm not sure I agree with the soft signal thing anyway, because it's you know the catch is either out or not out, really, isn't it? Rather than you know with a with an LBW, the umpire's call kind of maybe makes more sense, but the, uh, there was nothing behind the line is the key thing. There wasn't anything behind the line really, and that is the rule, because he when he got. You know, when he got stumped in the second innings, it was pretty close again. But there was that time there was a, a little bit less behind the line, you know, so it was given out. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't usually have these chats about DRS. It's quite an interesting, uh, different chat. It's a bit of coming into the VAR kind of debate, Ooh, isn't it? That was it. And VAR became a bit of a chat about it. And it's the first time in cricket I've seen DRS fail in so much as they just didn't use it correctly. The, the third umpire wasn't using it properly. That's what wound me up so much. It's like the technology's worked all this time and he just didn't carry on and look at it. And Root explained that to the on-field umpire, but he was reluctant to call back up. And yeah, it was all a bit strange. And then while we're in this sort of umpire thing at the minute, we'll come out of it in a second and talk more about India. But I thought Kohli was a bit maybe overhyped this whole test match. His, his mood has definitely improved for this one and he was definitely a lot more up. But I thought the way he spoke to the umpire, uh, Will, was a little bit weird. When he first got called for ring on the pitch, he didn't just accept it and say, I'm, I'm sorry. He, he kind of, you know, bit back. And on a couple of the, the, the DRS reviews, well, what did you think of that? There was rumour he might get either docked a bit of match fee. I, I doubt it would be banned, but what, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's, it's what you get with it, isn't it? None of us are particularly surprised by it. Um, I have a degree of sympathy for the for the for the one that Glenn mentioned with Root in the England second innings, where <laughs> Virat was that was when they they accused him of being slightly intimidating to the umpire because he was he was pretty fuming up in the umpire's <laughs> face about it. But it was plum LBW, so I mean, but, but England you know, had to get four hundred more runs and Root was on none, and we all knew what was going to happen. So why get I that know, angry about it? I know, but Dan, this is why we are here on Rain Stop Play podcast, which I almost caused the other name. Uh, and not playing international cricket because these people are just crazy competitive that's individuals. Yeah. Uh, that's how he's Virat Kohli. So that's a great I mean, point. Imagine if I was England captain and I just didn't care when England's uh, my my opponent's best batsman was given not out to a play match. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, a, a tough day for the third umpire there. Um, sticking with India, then obviously Ravi Chandran Ashwin. Um, I, I I thank him so much for getting that ton because it puts the whole pitch thing behind us. Because if India's number eight can get a ton. 
it's perfectly fine. England are just a bit rubbish. So, you know, what do we have to say about him and his bowling and a lot of chat about, you know, him being among the pantheon of greats now. I don't, a lot of people don't like talking about that while the guy's still playing, but there's definitely a lot of that around Ashwin at the minute. Absolutely. And why not? In a world where Jimmy Anderson can bowl from his own stand, why not start talking about Ashwin in that conversation? And I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable. The ball he played for, for Dan Lawrence in, in the last innings, who, to be fair, was pretty dodgy throughout and was kind of guessing whether it would turn or not and kept coming down the track with no real need to do so. But Ashwin came on first ball of his spell nutmegs a man for a stumping <laughs> the, the confidence with it can we talk about how good that stumping was from pant though wow like because you saw it from so seeing the reverse angle of it obviously the angle that pant would have seen and like in real time like how, how he managed to see it and take it through his legs and take the veils off i mean there's so, been so many question marks over the last few months about pants keeping <laughs> glenn um <laughs> 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 But, I mean, he was brilliant this test and, you know, his batting was good in the first innings as well, which I think we said it last time that his his batting form seems to kind of improved his keeping through his confidence because he's just kind of more confident all round, which has made his keeping better. I think that's a great point. And I'd be interested to see if if uh, Panthan Ash wouldn't have anything to say about that particular delivery um, in the interviews after the game, because it's it was so it was possibly premeditated. It was not quite clear to what extent, but there were there were a couple of deliveries in the previous over where, as I said, Dan Lawrence kept sort of tr- half coming down the ground. There was also one, I think two balls before that to Akshar Patel, where he sort of took one big stride across with the right foot and the ball just went the other way and he had to completely readjust his body, <laughs> which is pretty much the same thing that happened in the Ashman delivery. So I do wonder if, if Pant sort of spotted that and, and was prepared for it. Uh- there was also a little bit of a coverage they showed afterwards of Pant talking to Ashwin before he started the over. So obviously we have no idea. They're probably just talking about who they're picking for their captain in fantasy this week. But, <laughs> you know, they might have been talking about Dan Lawrence. And, the, and that was a total fluke. I mean, also the delivery that got rid of Stokes just made him look foolish. The amount of drift Ashwin creates with the ball, it's a thing of beauty. He made one of our best batsmen look genuinely thick. But you, it, it was one of those deliveries that, that showed how good Ashton was and how much he could just toy with batsmen. Because mm. Stokes was, went off shaking his head. He was absolutely furious at himself. Cause, but he had, no, he, he had nothing that he could do about it, really. Because the first innings, he got out to a similar delivery, not playing for the turn, and it turned around a corner and, and nicked the outside edge. This one, he played for the turn, and it came on straight. And you could tell that he was they were sort of out, of out of ideas by that point. There was another brilliant ball to get Pope out, where... On the surface of it, it looks like it's just quite a sort of, you know, overly aggressive shot from Pope and he hits it straight to a fielder. But he gets just done by a little bit of bounce and dip from Ashwin. That means it catches the outside edge and uh, top edge and gets caught. I mean, there were some, some brilliant variations that we know we get from Ashwin, but it's worth saying every time. He's just he's just so skillful. And then the batting as well. Um, five test hundreds now. And all of the teammates, they seem to like him, which is kind of opposite to what Tim Payne had to say uh, a few months ago. Uh, I thought Siraj's celebration was really cute when when he got to the ton in the end. Um, a, a lot of love for him. And like you said, well, I think rightly so. Um, the Chennai crowd helping along. Do, do we want to chat about how much the crowd probably helped India? I mean, the, the Channel 4 guys in the studio were talking a lot about it at the end of today. Um, Andrew Stout was saying it was the most important part of this test match, which I disagreed with to an extent. But um, what did you reckon to that crowd? I thought it was great to see it for a start, but... Um, how much did that lift India? And we saw Cody kind of, you know, geeing them up quite a lot, getting them clapping, getting them cheering. I think it worked to an extent. Maybe bought them a couple of extra wickets. I don't know. 
Can I, can I just say I hated him Ging them up and he just kept doing it. it re- I don't yeah, know. It, re- it really, really annoyed me. me. Yeah, like, yeah. Even though Joe Root did it in South Africa last year, but I, I still I didn't even like Joe Root doing it in South Africa. It kind of felt really awkward. It's, and, it's just cringe. It's just a bit cringe. You're playing yeah. cricket. They're watching. Just don't talk to them. They, you're not supposed <laughs> to acknowledge they're there until the end. For goodness sake. So English. Like, yeah. So really makes you, old man. really makes me cringe. <laughs> Exactly. I, um, I want to sit and have my sandwich, and you know, maybe maybe have a bit of pims in peace. I don't want, you know, I don't want the captain trying to get me going. You know? <laughs> get you on the middle class dad Facebook groups that you'd love it there. You get your pims <laughs> and a sandwich. Stay quiet, everybody. Um, let's talk about Axar Patel as well. He was awesome. A five-run debut in that second innings, five for sixty. Took a bit of tap from Moeen, which we'll come on to, but a great performance nonetheless. And he was, um, he, well, he was awesome, wasn't he? And I mean. We, we wanted him for the first test because he was injured. I mean, what a replacement for Nadim. Um, I can't remember his name. Shabazz Nadim. Sorry, mate. Um, great replacement either. for him. <laughs> <laughs> but Glenn, what did you reckon to him? And I mean, he had the sort of a low slingier action. Um, oh, there's <laughs> no ball claxon again. <laughs> he, had a, he had a low slingier action. He'd get that one that would, because of that, go straight on. And then the one that would rag square and sort of Embledinia-esque. He had a lot of England batsmen really struggling. Yeah, I, I think he was brilliant and there just wasn't really any respite for the for the England batsmen because India had three high-quality spinners because I think Yadav played pretty well, at least was a good option. Um, I think he probably paled. From, um, from his 10 overs, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. He didn't have, he didn't have much opportunity but it's fair to say that if he's like the rest bowler instead of our joe root i think you can yeah. really see the quality of that of that indian attack and i thought patel was brilliant and yeah i mean exactly you, you're right to point out the the length to bowling he bowled um over 40 overs 41 overs over the two innings um patel so for i mean for your first game to collect a stack of wickets to look really dangerous i think he probably looked as attacking and dangerous as ashwin at times um and i was really impressed and i think yeah his action he, he, it just—it's a really awkward angle. I think he comes to the to the batsman when you combine that with the pitch being difficult and the new ball—that's something we can kind of discuss being being more lethal for spin than than even a late ball, which is really interesting. So I think he was he was excellent. A, a quick note on Kuldeep because he was mentioned. I, I again I, <laughs> I'm interested to keep tabs on this because I still have no idea what's happening. Um, I didn't put him in my predicted eleven in the last pod, and and Zach quite rightly said, "What about Kuldeep Yadav?" And I said, well, I don't know. He seems to never get picked. So they clearly don't fancy him. But I mean, maybe. And then he comes in and the poor guy bowls 11 overs and faces 24 <laughs> balls with the bat. <laughs> I mean, India were playing with 10 men. I don't, I feel really sorry for the guy. I really don't know what the situation is there. You feel like if you're going to, if you're, if you're not going to bowl him that much, you may as well just pick another batsman and get my in for the fun. Well, I, th- I think the issue is for him is that India have this, unbelievable ability to create these amazing spinners who can also bat so you've got Jadeja Patel's got a great first class average obviously Ashwin Washington I've named four there just off the top of my head and he doesn't bat and his bowling it's still very good but you can see how being a leg spinner it's a little bit more consistent than a finger spinner so he's what fifth in that pecking order if we're talking batting as well I think it's it's important to go back to something like the with Deep about what Will said I think it was in the last pod about him being their number one spinner abroad for India. And I think because uh, a wrist spinner like that, obviously he's turning it into the right-hander, which is, you know, most people are right-handed. So 
you know, he's going to be turning it into them, which isn't as good. And also on a spinning wicket, everyone gets it to turn. So everyone else was getting like almost as much turn as he was getting. And the fact he can get extra turn, but doesn't have as much control, therefore isn't as dangerous because on a turning wicket, you know, if he's getting too much, you can get too much turn, can't you? Like you won't take that many wickets with it. And he, he's, and obviously it's, it's difficult. He's kind of expected to come on when the other bowlers are tired or, you know, being a third spinner is difficult. Being a third seamer is fine because, you know, seamers get tired. But being a third spinner in a side is tough because they're not going to get that tired. The only time that you're going to come on is, oh, neither of them are getting any wickets. So you come on, you either take a wicket in two overs or you're off again. Or even if he did take a wicket, just we're going to bring Ashwin back on, aren't we? Because he's Ashwin. Um, it's a tough role. I'm sure it was enjoyable, you know, being in the field, watching that all happen. Have a little bat, you know, have a cup of tea and go to bed. I don't know. It's probably the best you can hope for at the minute, right? Um, he did look like it... he was enjoying himself very much. He, he, he reminded me of Donny van der Beek playing at Man United, just looking sad all of the time. Knowing how good he is and that, you know, Ollie isn't having it. I mean, Ravi Shastri's at the wheel. I'm trying to get some United um, you know, parallels there. I wasn't, that wasn't too great. I will stop there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> great for India. Um, any more people anyone wants to shout out or do we just say, you know, bloody hell, well played, great team performance, outplaying in every facet um, and a kind of motoring on for the rest of the series? Uh, I just want to say well done Virat Kohli for winning the toss because he's not very good at that. So they've obviously done some, <laughs> done some psychological work with him in between tests so he can, you know, call it right. I just want to shout out Richard Pant's chat behind the stumps. I love him. <laughs> love him so much. One of the um, one of the cons team, I was a little bit sleepy towards the end of the game yesterday, was like a really deadpan. He was like, he probably shouldn't talk when they've started their delivery stride. <laughs> he was like completely dead inside. He was like, shut up, Pan. I've listened to you for three and a half days. He must have had his thumb mic up for too long for the four days. <laughs> yeah, hot, exactly. Hot Chennai commentary box. <laughs> It's just funny, and just like the pitch of his voice is so perfect, just for chat, just for permanent chat. You know, it's him as well around the bat, like you said, because of that pitch. I, I like the way he, <laughs> like the way he says their names. Um, you know, he's just got such a way of, he's really of enamoring. He's a good stand-up comedian, I reckon. <laughs> he is very funny, and he, he's got this brilliant knack of having about six different nicknames for any player, and then just <laughs> going to their full name. He'll just shout, "Well, bold Axel Patel." <laughs> That was the one I loved the most. It was so well bowled, Axar Patel. It was like he was writing copy down or something, like cheering his mate on behind the stumps. I loved it. Um, and yeah, we've kind of alluded to it, but I think his wicket keeping was awesome, and that's going to help India out. You know, there isn't a decision there to be made, but this is some good stock for him behind the stumps. So yeah, a great performance. Um, win the toss on a on a busy spinning pitch, and they, they did the job. So. I should just issue one more formal apology because in the previous podcast, I said, keep an eye on Rohit Sharma because he might come out and Mike will come in for the following test. <laughs> but you're sticking to rain, stop, play form of getting things horribly wrong. So that's fine. Well done, mate. I remember that now. I don't think we gave you enough stick for that on, on Saturday morning, did we? Because that was your kind of hot take from the end of the last pod is that Mike could come in because Sharma's rubbish and then he wins in the game. Um, so yeah, let's come on. Let's come on to England. Let's, let's pick this apart. A pretty dismal performance really especially with the bat you know i thought we got over this lads it felt really old school this these couple of innings um gosh i don't know quite where to pick up i think it has to be with the batting um because that's what went wrong the most glenn what did, what did you reckon from england's batting this week 
Well, it's just, I think it says it all that Moeen Ali batting at number nine got England's biggest score across the two innings. Yeah. Um, it should be illegal for Moeen Ali to be batting at nine, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's way too low. That's not cool. Well, well, doesn't that speak to the amount of high-quality batting that failed in this game? Because I would say, honestly, every batsman above him probably deserves that. Folks looked pretty good in that first innings. Um, Pope and folks, you know, that was the combination we thought might rescue it for England and it didn't quite work out. But nobody seemed to be firing on all cylinders. Even Root found the pitch especially hard. When I was watching him bat, he was giving away more chances than I've seen him give away, obviously, in the last couple of months. Um, he could have been out a couple of times. I think he was dropped really poorly um, by someone as well in one of his innings. So it was just really disappointing. And no one, I appreciate it was very, very difficult batting conditions. Uh, not many of us in the world could get near the, the quality of the Indian batsman. But it was just really disappointing. And yeah, apart from that, Ali, you know, hit out, game over, which doesn't quite count. It was only yeah. Folks's <laughs> 42 that really, to me, maybe maybe a bit of root second innings. But Folks's 42 was the only one that looked disciplined, that showed an awareness of the conditions and had patience. And I, all I would say is, um, and we can come on to the bowling in a moment, but Every other over, England offered an out ball to the Indian batsman. They could block five, hit one for four. The Indian bowlers didn't offer that to England whatsoever. So we were under so much pressure. So they basically just outplayed us. That is the bottom line. Um, but I was disappointed with our lack of application. Such a good point. They, you know, we offered an out ball so often. And it was, you know, the bowling, our bowling wasn't anywhere near the standard of the Indian spinners. You know, and it, it just it wasn't good enough. But yeah, and, the, and it meant our batting, you know, it, we struggled. We struggled. Burns, you know, Burns is in, is in a bit of trouble, isn't he? I feel like in that, in the first innings, obviously, you know, he got a duck. Second innings, he did what I think uh, Rory Burns was called him Joe Burns there, you know, <laughs> kind of similar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like that name on this part. No, uh, Rory Burns does quite a lot. He got to 25. He got to 25 pretty quickly in that second innings. And he looked he looked good. He looked yeah. solid. And he looked like he was going to go big, which I feel like Rory Burns does every single time he gets, he, gets out, he gets into double figures. He looks really good and looks like he's going to score. And he then gets out. It always looks like it's a silly dismissal. I know it's, it's not always going to be a silly dismissal, but it always looks silly. And it's actually... His batting average is actually only one more than uh, Joe Denley's is in test cricket now. And he has two less test wickets. So Can we not have Joe Denley and Joe Burns <laughs> spoken about again? We left that with the Brisbane Heat. I can't have it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a real crossroads with Burns. Um, I agree. He looks like he's going to go big. That's such a sort of Burnsism, I think, that he looks great. Looks like it could be 200 out there and then does something stupid. I just, uh, what, what do England do with, with him now? He looks he looks well out of Nick. Um there aren't, there's no one you know knocking at the door, particularly maybe Crawley, but he just gets out in stupid ways, like the reverse sweep in the first test, and then play, trying to play into the onside when it's that's against the spin. It's just basics like that when you're looking so good. It isn't what we want in the minute, and we've seen the kind of you know recipe for it with Dom Sibley of taking up deliveries, taking up overs, getting that ball soft, and then going from there. And Burns just can't seem to survive. I just don't know what England do with him at the minute. I don't know if anyone offers any. Anyone got any bright suggestions for him? Well, I think it's... We're going to talk about the spinners in, in just a moment at length, I'm sure. But I think it just shows a bit of a weakness. The concerns we've had, probably across this podcast, Dan, since since we started started this in, in the summer of last year, is England openers and England spinners, especially in India. We've, we've said that week in, week out. And I think this, this match really just... 
um, demonstrated why we've had those concerns because the opening pair looked uncomfortable. High score of 25, as you mentioned, from Burns between the two of them. And I'd point out that the middle order looked brittle as well. Um, Lawrence looked horribly at, uh, uneasy in his first innings, looked a little bit better in the second. He got 26. But not once did I think, oh, he's going to kick on and get a half century. I was just waiting for him to get out. And Stokes looked pretty much a bit out of form as well. He looked really under pressure. And I think it's probably the quality of the bowling, obviously, to a left-hander, different set of challenges, different set of rough. But I think just across the board, um, it was difficult. And yeah, to answer your question, we don't really have anyone for an opener or a spinner demanding a place back in England or on the reserves here. What do you reckon, Zach? Well, I think it's such an, like, an interesting point you say about Stokes being under pressure. And I... I... To defend him slightly, you do like you mentioned. Obviously, I think it is difficult to not feel under pressure when you you know you've lost three wickets quickly and where you know England weren't doing Definitely. very well and they were you know twenty three for three and Root had just got out who you know obviously has led our batting lineup for you know the last two months and obviously had done so in the pre- in previously but you know particularly this year so far. And it's, and it's understandable that Stokes was under pressure, but he really did look out of form, didn't he? He looked like he was Stokes, you know, towards the end of last summer, he was in a bit of iffy form against Pakistan. Mohammed Abbas kind of had a bit of a number on him. And I, yeah, it's a bit of a worry after how good he was in the first innings. Like you said, the only people who looked at all good with the bat were Pope and Folks and that little partnership there in the first innings. It looked like, okay, English batsmen have finally done what Rahane and Rohit did and what Coley and Ashwin did. They've built a partnership. They've got through the difficult the phase. Exactly. And, you know, this pitch, it's not the easiest pitch to bat on, granted. But if you get your head down, you can bat on it. It's not impossible. I mean, there were runs there to be had. And that's why, again, I'm thankful for Ravi Chand and Ashwin showing us the way forward. But I think the England batsmen that we've, we've noted that struggled, you know, Burns, well, all of them, Burns, Sibley, Lawrence, Stokes, Pope. Keep going. Full on. <laughs> name the 11. <laughs> None of them had any scoring options. They, they lost their way of scoring or ticking the strike. And I think you alluded to it perfectly that India bowled well. But we need to find a way of scoring off them, having an out shot, having a way to take the strike over when they're bowling well. Otherwise, it's going to happen for the next two test matches. And Root found a way and folks found a way for a little while. Moeen found his own special way, which we love. And that's what these batsmen are struggling with. I don't know if they're out of nick or not. I think they're up against some very good bowlers and don't quite have an out option at the minute, which is which is why it looks so bad. And then as soon as we saw the saw the pitch turning, and after that first innings display from England, I knew, I think we all knew that I, I couldn't see he's getting over 200 on this pitch at all, the way this team were going about it and the way they're playing spin at the minute. But I, I, don't, I just don't know where it's come from. I'm surprised. I'm a bit angry because we were so good in Sri Lanka. We were so good in that first test. Granted, this was a different pitch. We can come on to a bit of pitch chat in a minute. But... I just, I just know where it's come from. And if this is going to be like this for the rest of the series, it's going to be really dull. I'm I'm very worried it is going to be like it for the rest of the series. But, I'm you know, it's a day-nighter. Next time, next one's a day-nighter. So, uh, oh, but Jimmy assuming it's going, gonna... to be, it's going to be like Lords on a cloudy Thursday in October. But it's not, is it? They're going to go, you know, sod this. Let's, let's make it a spinning pitch again. Because why not? It's what you do at home. And that's going to segue into, into this pitch chat. I've got angry now. Um... I was angry about it on the first day because I was like, oh, okay, classic. You know, we beat him in the first test. Let's make a rage in Turner. But I've had a chance to calm down and listen to what people had to say and come to terms with the fact that's allowed to happen. The pitch is allowed to spin on day one. That's fine. And India played it perfectly. And there were runs to be had and there was good bowling to be had. So 
Will, I don't know if you want to chat about the pitch. Well, let's chat about the pitch chat, if you know what I mean. We're, we're not going to chat about the pitch itself because I think we'll, we've all come to terms with that's how pitches are, that's how it works, groundsmen are to do. But what did you make of the chat about the pitch instantly? You know, as soon as it wasn't favouring England, oh, terrible, unfit for test matches. What, what's that all about? It's once again very humanity students of us. <laughs> let's let's chat about the chat. What's the discourse? <laughs> um, but no, I th- I think I think that's actually exactly the point, and it's and it's particularly kind of farcical that pitch discourse ramped up to this absurd level by day two, day three, at, at a point where yeah, it looked very unlikely that England could win or even get a draw. But the like the match wasn't over, <laughs> and suddenly the whole discourse was like we've never had it. We could never have a chance. They've rigged the pitch. It's all a disaster. Um, and I think it's all just a bit, I think Zach's right earlier on to characterize it as at least a little bit sort of Anglocentric and like, you know, the idea of a pitch in England or in Australia is what a pitch should look like in test cricket and anything other than that isn't appropriate. Um, I think it's also about, you know, can you play in a different style is part of what test cricket is. Like we all appreciate it. it's the conditions, it's the pitch, the weather, different continents that is what makes test cricket amazing so i find the whole discourse around that kind of surprising and weird and on, then on the specific point of well was this pitch terrible or not yes it was turning a lot and it had a lot of bounce but it was doing weird things from day one and as you said earlier dan the way that you know if india's number eight can score a century there's not a huge amount to complain about that's that's my take on it yeah, well said. And I think that was about it. And it, the, the pot was getting stirred by your Michael Vaughans and Shane Warns of this world, who we all have our opinions on. But yeah, it's like declaration discourse, isn't it? We had that last week and it's just a little bit dull. And it wasn't unfit for test matches. And like uh, Ashwin's time just shut everybody up, really, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think it did. And I, I agree with with both you and Will. I've got, there's a really good article by Wisdom by Ben Gardner that was released uh today that's just mentioning uh, mentioning what would happen if you know if the pitch was found poor to be poor what that process involves and it involves someone called the ICC pitch and outfield monitoring process <laughs> this body which sounds like a third umpire with like a microscope just like <laughs> walking up and down there uh which which is quite funny um but there there may be like an an inquiry into it um and if it is found as poor the venue the venue will receive three demerit points and should a single venue accumulate five demerit points over a rolling five-year period, it will be banned from hosting international cricket for a year. Um, I don't think that will happen. It is interesting to see if that was found poor and what the actual process really is for that, apart from that pretty wordy title they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we can probably move beyond it, um, although it'll be interesting to see how much the pitch for the next game turns, because that would be very interesting to but see that's... as well. That's the most interesting bit for me because if they've seen how England played against any sort of spin early and, and just go, yeah, well, let's do that again. Why not? We can and we will. I, I don't know. But everyone's presuming this day on night is going to gonna seem and swing, which it probably will in that twilight period, but there's other parts of the game. Uh, just as a little little caveat, can we talk about it? Just a little bit about England's bowlers. I just want to talk about, I want to talk about Ollie Stone in particular because I actually thought he played really well and we haven't mentioned him once. This is a nicer, brighter topic, actually, Zach. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and also we haven't mentioned Jack Leach yet, and I've got some stuff to say about that as well. Uh, <laughs> so, cool, uh, yeah, exactly. I thought Ollie Stoney looked really good. I don't know when he's next going to play in a test match for England, but he did really well, and he took some wickets and looked dangerous. He, I mean, he, 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 was, like he was bowling. He was bowling with the new ball before Stuart Broadwatch, which you know tells you something about the pitch. But for him to, you know, 
look decent. Like I'm not saying, you know, obviously he wasn't the game changer. He wasn't the, you know, the what's it called? The, the you know, the game changer of the match. You know, uh, whatever that I'll thing find is. Another word for game changer? Um... No, no, no. The 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 the, the sponsorship of and the IPL game changer. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, of. what like the Tatar player, the Tatar Altros player of the game, oh. something like that. Okay, yeah. The, Maybe the, the Seattle Tigers game changer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Dream Eleven, Dream Eleven game changer of the match. Oh, the we're Dream mixing our sponsors game up. There you go. The match. Sorry, sorry. Are you saying he wasn't the Dream Eleven? He game wasn't changer the Dream of the match. 11 game changer of the match. I presume that probably was Ravi Ashwin. But um, he was, I think it was actually. Uh, but he was really good. And especially on a pitch that we've just been talking about how the pitch did absolutely nothing for him. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. And I mean, he's probably not going to play for England again until maybe the Ashes. And he could be really useful in the Ashes. But yeah, poor him. But in other news, Jack Leach. What a player, what a man. And do you want to hear my great stat about him? You're, you're <laughs> so keen for this stat, Zach. I've got, to, I've got to relieve you of this pain. Go on. What is this stat? It's, it's our weekly corner now of Jack Leach's stat corner. So this better be a good one. So I would say, first of all, Jack Leach, from this test, I think more on Moeen's bowling performance than his own, has probably cemented his place as England's first choice spin bowler for a while. I think we've kind of all agreed on the pod that it probably should be the case. It'd be interesting to see maybe they, they maybe they might rotate him and Bess in the summer. Maybe not. They didn't do that last year. Bess just played a lot and didn't perform well. But he has become the first English spinner to take four or more wickets in five consecutive second innings. And this does exclude oh. games where bowlers haven't spin bowls haven't bowled in the second innings. He is the fourth person in the world to do this. Can you name me the other three? Okay, so we're after a spinner who, in the second innings of a test match, has taken four or more wickets consecutively. Five, five times. times. Yeah. Okay, Mur- Murali, he must yeah, be in there. Murali. Okay, good, good. I'll get my bank in. I'll let the other two try and think of some <laughs> obscure spinner now. <laughs> None of them are very obscure. I'll give you that. It's, good. it's very good company for Jack Leach to keep. I've seen the tweet and I still can't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> Can I chuck Dan Vittori in there? No. Nah, a bit keen, a bit keen. Oh, not on a New Zealand pitch, no. Warren, Shane Warren. Thank you. Oh, give us the give us the country. Give Zach. us the country. Great job. It's Pakistan. Ajmal. Mushi, um, Mushtaq Ahmed. Before my era, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got that. Well, Come on. Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's great company for Leach. Then I mean. He was awesome, wasn't he? He just he had the control that Moeen and Bess, who we can have a great debate about in a second, just don't have. I'm, my only issue with Leach, and I do like him, and I agree he's number one. He he's got the four ball in them as much as Bess or Moeen do. So I, I don't totally think we agree. I don't think we should I don't think we should wax too lyrical about him yet. He's good, doing well. He loves to drop short. Pajara had two or three given to him. Yeah, Pajara did, and um, especially in that India second innings, uh, I think it took Kohli about twenty balls to get off the mark around that. And then suddenly, um, Leach and Ali were just firing long hops and full tosses at him. And he, he, they built the pressure, and then they completely let it escape, which was so frustrating. And yeah, I think this, this ties into what we talked about a few minutes ago with, with the control of India's bowlers. England didn't have that. And although I do think that Leach bowled well and Moeen looked really dangerous in spells, in the second innings, they actually have nearly identical figures because Leach bowled 33 overs um, for 100 runs for four wickets. Moeen bowled 32 overs for 98 runs for four wickets. So very, very identical stats there, which is really interesting. And to be honest, like across the across the innings, 
I didn't see a huge amount between the two. It's I certainly didn't feel like Moeen bowled that much better to get double the wickets that first innings. I think they're pretty even there. But yeah, it's just frustrating. They both had a shocking ball. I'd say every two overs, they would have a ball that would just be a four. They'd have maybe one maiden. But actually looking at it, to be honest, like only in the first innings, they only had six maidens between them in uh, a lot of <laughs> nearly 60 overs. Um, yeah, and then that continued throughout. They improved a little bit in the second. But again, this is something we've talked about in the pod um, a couple of times, which is just our economy, and it isn't getting a huge amount better. Um, it's just a bit disappointing because it's where they outplayed us, I think, with the, obviously with the bat and ball, but the spinners were where the golfing class was the biggest, I think. And you, you know I love spinners and economy, and this is what's just winding me up about these England spinners because there's something there in all three of them, in Bess, Moeen and Leach, and there's just these occasional deliveries that are killing us. And that's what allowed Indy to get away on that first morning and kind of pretty much kill the game stone dead there. I, I was really shocked that Bess wasn't picked for this. I thought that was quite controversial. Should we talk about that lack of selection? Or I thought he'd done enough again in the first test to, to maintain his place. And there's other rotation factors probably at play, especially with the news that Moeen's going home after this test, which is why he might have got a game. But what, what did we think to the, the best dropping? And more importantly, it was a dropping, not a rest. Anderson was a rest. Archer's his elbow. Best was dropped. Yeah, Root, Root did mention it, I think, in the pre-match conference, and he kind of just alluded to, um, you know, Best still obviously being hungry and wanting to play, but these things are going to happen, and he's going to come back stronger from it. I, I don't think he will, just because the fact he was dropped, and then with Moeen going back, we now have him coming straight back into the team. Yeah. I don't think being dropped for the second test is going to do much to improve your confidence, did England have a case for dropping him and bringing in Moeen? I think this match has just just about validated that because Best forgot how to bowl in that in that second innings in the first test. He it was dreadful. I felt really bad for him. He did really well in the first innings, and he just lost his line and length. And it felt a little bit club cricket when it was when the length was gone. It was gone, and I felt really bad for him. And I do think he's improving. I I, I want to be a bit more generous to him than I have been previously on this part, but. <laughs> It's not going to help his confidence. I mean, that's my bottom line. Uh, Zach, do you think it was the right decision? Yeah, it's a difficult one. No, I, I don't. I didn't think it was the right decision at the time. But in retrospect, looking at the, not even looking at the result, looking at how they did, because I feel like they bowled relatively similarly. I mean, Moeen took some wickets, and everyone on on Facebook and stuff was really keen to just go, "Oh, Moeen's amazing. Moeen's brilliant." It's because we love Moeen. It's because he's Moeen. But, but it's best the same just some people. like kid from Somerset. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't vibe with him. Moeen's Moeen. He's got his beautiful little flick of the wrist when he bowls as well. Oh, beautiful it's... Moeen Alley. So when he does bowl Cody through the gate, it's way more fun than when Best gets him nicked off or whatever he did in the first test. But, but it's the same people that are slating Beth for the same thing. Like, they're both <laughs> are inconsistent. I think that's but I fair. Think, and I, I think, I think Beth, it's certainly, we've said that, I think it's been said about Leach quite a lot. Beth has a, well, Beth has a higher ceiling than, than Moeen because they're obviously at completely different stages of their careers. And Moeen, or when he'll play another test for England again, I'm, I'm not sure. But and I do think that maybe it was the right decision to play him in this test because it would have been so harsh on him having you know, decided to come back to test cricket after such a long period away from the game. You know, he, he actively wanted to be away from the game like during the 2019 Ashes and to come back and now to have, you know, imagine if he'd gone to Sri Lanka, you know, gone to Sri Lanka, got COVID, 
then you know couldn't play in those tests then comes back for comes into the squad for these tests doesn't play the first one doesn't play the second one. Oh yeah moe now's your rest period so you better go home for a few days and then we'll <laughs> we'll play you in the, we'll play you in the odis we might not even play you in the t20s and then yeah we'll see where we go from there I think that's a good point. And Will, I want to I want to hear your opinion on this. If if Ali was if Moeen was available for the next test, um, who would you be picking, Will, out of Leach, Bess, and Moeen? I imagine you're going to say Moeen. I think that's justified. I just want to hear your opinion. On it. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm playing Moeen and 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 dropping Bess again because we love Moeen. Um, but I do I completely agree with you that I think that probably is the sensible decision that the selectors would have gone with because although his economy was pretty poor in the first uh, indie innings. And as you said, Glenn, the, the, the inability to keep pressure on and to always give an outball was pretty noticeable with him. It was just as noticeable with Bess and more so. So I, I think it would probably, exactly as you say, dropping for one game would be a really weird decision. So it probably would have been mowing again. With that said, I want to make one quick point, again, back to the capital D discourse, because the, <laughs> way, the way that Moeen going home after this has been discussed in a different light to the way that, you know, the butler Bairstow rotation thing has happened has been really noticeable and i know i've seen today that joe root has um apologized to moeen personally for for the way that he described it after the game and, and he described it as a choice for moeen to go home whereas the england side kind of wanted him to stay and i think that was a bit poor and he should have been given the protection to, to just not discuss that in the same way that it was done for everyone else just say this is the plan even though we know that he might not get another opportunity in the near future in the test side um and i think as as i'm sure we've all experienced it's a global pandemic is always an appropriate excuse. If he wants to go and, you know, go spend time with family, that is what we should be building into this process and not kind of making it seem like that's one player's choice. The ECB have played themselves here, I think. Like, why why haven't they been a bit more transparent about these sort of things? And if people knew Moeen was going to go home after this test, we'd be fine with it. We'd be less shocked. I think the shock and anger that is wrongly being pointed at Moeen is because he was our best player in this test match, arguably. And Joe Root shouldn't be answering these questions. It should be Ed Smith or Ashley Giles. That's what's winding me up. They've got to face the music for these kind of questions, not the captain, who, like you said, probably got it a bit wrong today. Yeah, I think there's. There, it seems to be this just a consistent double standard with 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 Moeen held to a different set of standards and the rest mm-hmm. of it. And already, um, just looking, you know, I, I don't want to say the word discourse again, but a quick discourse analysis of this headline <laughs> on the BBC, BBC website, right? Um, it's um, seven hours ago. India versus England. This is the headline. Moeen Ali chooses to miss final two tests. We didn't hear, I think you just said it, Will, that the, um, whoever went home, Butler, um, whoever else, chooses to miss a test. It's like Archer getting injured and saying, Joffrey Archer chooses to miss this because he's messed yeah. up his elbow. It's yeah. it's not right. And it it just has these really subtle negative connotations that he doesn't want to be there. That he he and another thing is he spent so much time in isolation with COVID. That was 14 days, no contact, having played a lot of cricket internationally already. It's just it's frustrating and it shows he's always treated badly by by the England setup, I feel. He is, and I saw that if, if he hadn't taken the opportunity to, to, to leave the bubble now, he would have been in bubbles until the end of May having already been there for however long. So, it, you know, it, of course, that should be part of the plan. And we shouldn't, regardless of what job you're in, just because you're, you know, you've got a great job playing cricket for your country doesn't mean that we should expect these ridiculous things from people. Um, and I'll I'll throw into the mix just because we've already had one jab at him in this podcast, but I feel it needs to be made. 
doubly explicit, not content with his comments about the pitch. Michael Bourne's been getting stuck in about Moeen Ali again today. Oh, no. Um, What's he been so saying, just, man? If, if, if we want to start any podcast beef, I think it should be Rain Stop Play versus Michael Bourne. <laughs> the, I'm the happy man to needs... start that. Can we come up with like a counter to hashtag on on? Like off off or something? Off, off, yeah. Just... yeah, F off off. I was about to do a direct, a, a direct quote of, oh, but I bet he'll pick up his pay packet from the IPL. Yeah, on you on. know that's coming. You just know that's going to be coming from certain sections of, oh, you know, ex-players in the media. It. I've seen it. I've seen it today. And it's the same. Also, I saw the thing that after the choose thing came out, everyone was like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, they they all chose to go home. They all chose this. And someone was like, oh, I bet Bairstow didn't choose it. It's like, yeah, Bairstow, <laughs> he's from Yorkshire. He he's a good Yorkshire lad. Like, yeah. Well, this was the problem. I think if England, because we knew that Bairstow was going home, right, after two games, everyone was aware of that and we're happy with it. And again, he was in the same situation as Moeen, that he had a good couple of games in Sri Lanka and people were questioning why he's going home. The answer to that is we had this planned, you knew about it, it's part of the rotation policy. If they'd have that kind of chat with Moeen more publicly, I think we'd be more accepting of this. Listen, if Moeen had a rubbish game, we'd be like, okay, fine, whatever. But he had a great game. So he's been put in an awkward position by that. And it's a shame. I agree with what you've said. Just, just interesting to say. In between, uh, Michael Vaughan has sandwiched his criticism of Moeen Ali on Twitter. In between talking about the English breakfast he's getting hashtag on on and encouraging, encouraging, subtly pointing to a report by the government that implies that it's safe for schools to reopen when clearly that's not the case. So I don't think anyone on the pod is a particular friend, a particular friend of Michael Vaughan, and probably the less we talk about it, the better. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> no, I like this. Can we egg it up more? In fact, can we go to the other <laughs> end of the spectrum? and really start this please please let's not get into his narrative around the government and their handling of <laughs> lockdowns things like that that is that is too much it's, it's led to me unfollowing him on instagram his uh oh his, no you know, what, a, what a sad day it's a sad I day know. when zach follows michael vaughan on instagram he noticed as well he yeah, yeah. Well, sure he <laughs> I, I mean it's it's such a shame and he had such a good game but i and you, you mentioned it, Zach. When would he ever play again? I'd have I'd have a cheeky tenner on Moe not playing a test match ever again for England. I would I would probably get good odds on it. And I, I, I when does he come back in, right? So we've got New Zealand at home where we're going to be playing one spinner. We've got a lot of home tests where we only play one spinner. We've then got Australia where we only play one spinner. And Moeen's probably third, maybe joint second with Bess. And I'll, I'll kind of quickly chat about that again is that I agree with you, Zach. I think Bess and Moeen bowled equally well and poorly in occasions. And the, the figures probably show that. Anyway, when is he going to play again? Also, uh, England's future tours after that are... Wet, we're, so we're then, the, we're then the Ashes, and then we're in the West Indies about this time next year. And then, obviously, it's another English summer. And it's then... It's something like... It's November next year when he is... At 35 at that point or mm-hmm. I think he's 35 at that point he will be his the next time we tour in Asia which will be in Pakistan which will be obviously brilliant to see but will he be playing you know I, will think, he be playing I, test I genuinely cricket? think that's it I really think that's it and if we look at Root not bowling himself enough at the minute and let's say he does and that becomes a thing for England then we don't need the second spinner potentially in the future or a third spinner and his batting is okay. So I just don't know where he comes back into the side, if at all, after this after this time. I just I just want to add that the timing of when he got COVID, and it's interesting how 
careers of sports sports people um cricketers footballers can mm. often hinge on like just a flashpoint an injury you know when you're getting in form if he hadn't got covid and say that he had played one if not two of those tests again best especially i want to say in the first Sri Lanka game bowled horrendously for his five foot it was a horrendous display of bowling and he got five wickets if moeen had actually come into that both those tests and bowled well got a fifer got a fourfer then i think in all our minds he'd probably be back up to the second England spinner and he'd be much more in the picture and he probably would have potentially even started that first game in um, in India. So really unfortunate timing for him to get ill, quarantine, not getting playing cricket. And yeah, it's hard to see him fitting back into this picture unless, you know, Jack Leach breaks a finger, God forbid, to get something, something bad happens to him, then perhaps the door opens. But barring injuries, I, I, I agree that it's not looking particularly good for him. Um, but I think he deserves, a bit like Johnny Bairstow, I think he's been treated terribly by selectors and a lot of the, the England cricket community. So I would love to see him come in. And let's not forget his, his contribution to the, one ball, to the white ball team in one day cricket is exceptional. And he'll still be in the England picture. I, I do want to underline that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating for him in the test format. I think that's another interesting element there that a lot of the sort of criticism of him has been about this kind of perception that Willie's going to go and play in the IPL, isn't he? And he's going to play the white ball. So why are we not prioritising test cricket? Um, which again seems to be a criticism that people end up throwing at, at poor Moeen after all he's been through to have this kind of reaction after coming back to test cricket after avoiding it. People are throwing that at him rather than the selectors and the ECB and the whole plan around English cricket. Or Butler or Bairstow, who the, yeah. the exact same thing's happening. They'll have a full IPL contract. They're part of the test setup to an extent. And the white ball thing's there. And what if we're focusing more on the white ball this year? Rightly so, there's a World Cup. Then we do rest them. So we've got to contextualise this with all what's going on this year as well. And, and I mean, gosh, does Moeen play a big part of the T20 team anymore? I kind of forget. I, he's, got, he's, on the, he's not first on your team sheet, is he? Mm. So he's going to be in the setter, but will he play? Gosh, it's a confusing one. I agree with you, Glenn. Maybe could they have sent him home? This has been so cruel. After he got COVID, uh, recover, go home, and then maybe have flown out for the last test or the, the, the last two, like switch that around a bit. Listen, this is a horrible thing the ECB have got to do, and it's a real juggling task, but could they have managed this a bit better? Yeah, I think... Um... I think that Dan deserves a place in the in the cabinet for his COVID response, which is to fly people back to the country who clearly <laughs> had positive, possibly with the South African strain. <laughs> so they yeah, can play the second test. <laughs> yeah. The last thing Moe Nally needs right now is to be blamed for introducing the South African variant <laughs> to the UK. We could do like a terrible test cricket and trace pun or something, but <laughs> Moe chooses to introduce South African variant to the UK population. <laughs> you can see it now. Yeah, I mean, that would have been chaotic, but uh, he, he was very unlucky, as he always seems to be at the minute. Okay, let's look really briefly ahead to Ahmedabad. The third test starts on February the 24th. Day-night test, so for those in the UK, 9am start. How nice is that? It's going to be a full, clean... Terrible normal. for me. <laughs> yes, well, what's that for you in Wyoming? That's going to be awful. For us, that's like, what, 9 at... or 3? It's, it's perfect starts at 2 a.m i think so i could wake up i imagine and get the i'll change my clock and wake up for the for the last session but my late nights of cricket england india are, are gone <laughs> for the so super, you come back from the fourth test that is awkward that's really awkward um let's look at potential team changes i mean for india will i've got bumra coming back in the pitchers been practicing today with the pink ball uh, out in chennai the batting's fine you know do you still play the three spinners it's a good question, and Bumrah will definitely come back in, but I think neither 
Ishat nor Siraj have particularly done enough to get dropped. I think it would be nice to see Siraj keep his place. So it, it could be Bumrah straight swap for Ishad, or he could just come in for Kuldeep and say that he didn't really bowl a huge amount, so what's yeah. the point? Interestingly, uh, Mohamed Shan, uh, Shami and Nadeep Saini have both joined the squad for the third test. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take a punt <laughs> on, it, on, on any selections for it, but, but they're in the mix. Um, and I learned my lesson last week from making predictions, so we'll, we'll just stick with Bumrah coming in for one of the seamers and play it safe. That's a much more liberal um, <laughs> liberal one this week, less than Mayankin for Sharma. For England then, Glenn, I mean, I had five. At one point today, I wrote five changes down. It's all obviously toys out the pram, baby with the bathwater, as happens with England fans. But with Bairstow back, uh, Arch is back in, in the squad they announced today. He seems to be fit. Crawley's also in that, so he could be fit. Anderson probably comes back in. And then obviously... Moeen's leaving, he's going back home, Bess comes back in. What have you got for this, Glenn? It's chaotic. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of late fitness calls that really um, impact this, uh, especially for Crawley. Um, so the ones that jump out to me, I'll do, I'll do it real quick, uh, are Anderson for Broad, Archer for Stone, uh, Bess for Ali. I feel like they're the three we're going to do, probably. Yeah, I think that's um, pretty locked in. And I don't want to be too uh, reactive and throw out some of the top order. I, it's hard to say. I mean, who, who are you dropping? Is it uh, an opener or Lawrence for Crawley if he's fully fit? Dan, is that on your mind? I'm more thinking Bearstow has to come back in. He was he looked great in Sri Lanka. He plays Good spin point. fantastically. They're flying him back over. They paid for that charter. Let, let's let's make that worthwhile. Get him in the team. For me, he probably comes in at three for Lawrence, who's looked a little bit higgledy-piggledy the past couple of test matches, yep. despite his knocks in Sri Lanka. And then, if I'm being really brutal, we drop Burns for Crawley and open with Crawley and Sibley, which makes no sense seeing how dismal they were in Sri Lanka. So I'm going to go with the bowling changes you suggested and then just the one Bearstow for Lawrence, and then the rest can stay the same. I think Crawley is on the, the fitness you know watch as well, so it's not certain. Maybe if we're looking really left field, Crawley comes in, but... Yeah, let's hope it's a green seamer, hey, Glenn. I think that's all that's all we're really, <laughs> really hope for. Um, so that'll about wrap it up for this week. That was our summary of the second test. A great test. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Glenn, thank you so much. Thank you, and congrats to India for a great performance. Yeah, well said. Let's, let's be happy for India. Congratulations, <laughs> India, from me as well. And, uh, Will, we'll see you soon. See you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.